Masters of Divinity. I am your moderator, JP, and I'm here as always with Father Chuck. Father Chuck, it has been a minute since we've been on this show. It's been a little while. A little while. Lots happened. Lots happened. What was what was our what was our last episode? Okay, Karen. Oh, we talked about the Oh yeah. Okay boomer yeah. meme and how it related to other generations. And it and it and that and that whole thing just sort of crashed and died in the in the time like that meme rose and mm-hmm. fell. And in you know, the time it's taken us to record an episode. It has, it has. And you know what? I have an opinion as to why that happened. Uh, our episode? Well, that's that's probably one. That that's something to do with it. My theory is that they started calling everybody a boomer. They did, and that yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Even uh, themselves, other Gen Zs. Is that what they call them, Gen Zs? I don't Zoomers. I, don't, I, <laughs> I, uh, you know, and it's it's getting it's getting insufferable. These these people. Yeah, it's what happens. It's what it's, the, it's what happens to a meme. Yep, you you get a good solid meme. Account. Just and like the just... Uh, the lady yelling at the cat. Lady yelling at the, oh oh yeah yeah. That's, That's... another one that had a rise around the same time mm-hmm. no, it's uh, just, and also we kind of found out the sort of the context behind why the woman was crying so much and it, it's a little problematic oh is it i don't actually i i don't she know she was that. actually like kind of triggered psychologically from being like abused oh so, i thought it was just i like thought a, it was from i thought it was from like real housewives it is but like she was apparently the, the story behind it is apparently she was like physically abused by somebody and then she was triggered oh um yeah, so it stopped being funny. <laughs> People were just like, ooh. So then they started replacing her with other things, right? To be like, oh. So like, Adam, like Adam Driver yelling in, in Marriage Story? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of funny. <laughs> Speaking of Adam Driver, uh, Matt is not here today. So we're going to have Adam Driver is on the show. So Adam Driver is here. Just a crap on Rise of Skywalker. Uh, he he opted out of the press tour for Rise of Skywalker, but we got him here uh, at Masters of Divinity. Uh, hey, what's so? Here's the thing. You know, people made much have made a big deal out of that that interview that he like walked out of because he can't stand hearing his own voice. I feel that man. That's fascinating. It is. Well, it's not his voice. He can't see himself perform. He hates watching himself perform. So he's never been to a movie premiere? Apparently. Well, he's never – maybe he's been to a premiere. He just never watched it. I don't know. I was but, just saying, like, he doesn't, like, watch the movie. He's, he's never watched himself. I mean, I, obviously I think watched... about it. I've never, I don't think – I can't really recall ever seeing him in a red carpet before. I don't know. Maybe it's because I don't really follow red carpets, but I can't yeah. really – has anyone ever seen Adam Driver on the red carpet? Post That's... A Adam Driver yes. red carpet photo if you if you got one. Because I, I can't... Uh... And no, no Photoshopping. It's got to be legit. Yeah. <laughs> and it's got to be like a real red carpet. Don't like find like a photo of him like standing on a red and carpet somewhere. Also, it's got to be like his movie. It can't be like someone else's movie. Does he beat the system? Does he just like not do it? Wouldn't that be awesome? That would, would be really awesome. Like Adam Driver is amazing. Um, he is amazing. And just spoiler alert, he is the MVP of the sequel trilogy. I agree with you. And uh, just so we're clear, we are going to be talking about Star Wars in this episode. Uh, uh, we're talking about Rise of Skywalker, a little bit of The Mandalorian, I'm sure. Uh, if you had not seen either of those, there will be spoilers. So yes. uh, you may not want to listen to this episode because we're just going to like, we're just going to throw it all out there. Or maybe do, maybe do listen to this episode so that you save money. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Chuck? You, you know, if we had just walked out 
of Rise of Skywalker. And you said that. They're like, hey, come on now. Come on. But the further away I get from this movie, mm-hmm. the less I like it. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about Rise of Skywalker, a movie I barely remember anyway. I remember it because um, my wife and I have had lengthy, in-depth discussions about this movie every day <laughs> since seeing it. And I was actually trying to convince her to be on this episode. Really? Oh, that would have been fun. Oh, uh, that would have been cool. She she, she doesn't really. She, her attitude's like, who, who cares about my opinion? Who cares about my opinion? Who cares about mine. your opinion? Yeah, I just do it. But... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Two white guys with beard talking about Star Wars. We're we so go. original. Yes, yes. This is why podcasts exist. Right. Um, so I guess the first thing we want to talk about is probably Rise of Skywalker, right? It's on our minds probably the most at, at the moment. Um, and like I said, you know, the further away you get from this movie, the, the less I like it. And also, um, the less I remember. Like, it, it's it's that movie is a blur to me at this point. There's a lot. There's a lot going on in that movie. There's that a lot just going on. And there's not much time. Into each other. Yeah, it's a short runway. You know what I mean? Like it's like a land. It's like a plane landing on a very short runway. Um, so Chuck, let me ask you: uh, Were you excited for this movie? Did you have high hopes, or were you, were you tempering your expectations? Or... I actually after okay. So disclaimer: so that if you are if you're a if you're a Star Wars fanboy and you somehow found our podcast and you're listening to it for the first time and you've never listened to anything we've ever talked about in Star Wars, I'm going to give you a trigger warning, okay? Because you <laughs> little because you little snowflakes need one, and that is um, we JP and I both love the Last Jedi. I think unapologetically the best Star Wars movie. Yes, better than Empire. I think it is the best Star Wars movie. So. Already, you're going to make one of two choices on this episode. You are either going to be on board with us, or sorry, three choices. You're either going to be on board with us. You're either going to really disagree with us, and so you will do yourself do yourself a service and just stop the episode and find something more productive to listen to with your time. Or you're going to ignore, the third option is you're going to ignore me, and you're going to keep listening and just get angrier and angrier and angrier. Fine, knock yourself out. Knock yourself out, but don't please, please just, you know, like don't go on or blow up our comments with a bunch of like Rose Tico hate. All right. I mean, yeah, you know, we're going to say a lot of really good things about Rose Tico on this episode. You, you know, now what you are getting yourself into with the masters of divinity. And I can speak for Matt on this as well. He has a very high opinion of the last Jedi. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this is a pro Rose podcast. <laughs> Yes, this is a yes. Um, pro Rose, pro Last Jedi. Um, everything about that movie is borderline perfect, in my opinion. So be aware of that. So I, I say that because I loved Last Jedi so much. And I walked away from Last Jedi just thinking, man, they've, I have no idea where they're going to take this thing. Mm-hmm. And there is, you know, it ends with, it ends with, you know, the, 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 you know, the Ray being the last Jedi of sorts, right. you know, you're not really left clear if she's going to be a Jedi or not, but she's she has a Jedi. Something else or something. Yeah. She's going to do something else. She can offer a new interpretation on what the Jedi are all about. Um, you get the shot of broomstick boy, um, <laughs> who is, um, who is revealed to be a force user. So there's this thing out there. Now we know that there are people who can use the force that are, that are out in the universe. And so, you know, it ends with this idea that maybe Ray is going to start some kind of new thing. Um, on top of that, um, um, Kylo Ren has killed 
Supreme Leader Snoke and has become the Supreme Leader of the First Order. So he is basically like the emperor. He's the big bad yeah. of everything. And so it's setting up a movie where they're it looks like they're just going to cut loose and let and let Kylo Ren be the major villain that he was that we've kind of been, you know, stopping start trying to figure out what he's going to be and he's made his choice he ends that movie clearly deciding that he does not want any kind of redemptive arc he wants to be the the bad the, the bad guy um the only thing is is whether or not he could convince ray to join him that's the real conflict that's been left at the end of that movie and so and and the and, and on top of that the resistance has been reduced to a single ship apparently yeah um it's whoever is left on the millennium falcon that's it for the resistance mm -hmm. and so like i had no idea and i was so anxious about it and then the first trailer came for rise of skywalker we hear palpatine's laugh and i go that's very interesting palpatine's back okay you know they could do something really cool with palpatine's return you know make basically making him he's the villain throughout all nine of these movies i kind of like it um you know of course i'm a sucker for stuff like the death star wreckage in the ocean and all that stuff we saw in the in the in the in the trailer so like I'm like, I'm on board with what they're showing, but they, they're smart, not giving us any plot, any kind of anything. And I pretty much didn't watch anything else. Oh, okay. So like I avoided a whole lot of trailers. I maybe watched one other later trailer when they, you know, kind of the big main trailer that, that was out because it was running in front of a couple of movies that I saw. Yeah, the um, final trailer was like a big, uh, was a big yeah. spectacle. But, yeah. but I like, I didn't see any TV spots, you know, except I caught one out of the corner of my eye at a restaurant once that showed like a whole fleet of starships with the Millennium Falcon in front of it. And that really got my hype going. But like, I, I, I really, you know, I, I, I didn't read a whole lot of articles. I didn't get involved in the rumor mill, any of that. So I, I preface all of this to say that, you know, and then I, then on top of that, I had the frustrating fact that I had to wait a week before I could see it. Um, because it came so close to Christmas and just with my schedule as a priest, it was not easy for me to just, you know, go to the movies and, and all that. So my in-laws were in town after Christmas. And so they watched the boys and my wife and I went to go see it. And the only thing that I had found out was that early reactions that I saw on social media that I didn't want to see, which by the way, also while I'm saying this, I was reading the news app the day we went to see the movie, just Apple news. And one of the headlines was why they had to kill Ben Solo. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. So that that was kind of I you know that was spoiled for me. But uh, then I thought, oh maybe it's a maybe it's a metaphor. Um anyway, so 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 anyway, I, I went and we saw the movie and I had, you know, a lot of hope hype, um hope for it. But oh the other thing is that I had also seen is a few early reactions of the movie. Somebody said that last Jedi haters are gonna be happy. And so I was already sort of like, ugh. And once I got over that, I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go in with no expectations and just watch the movie. And I enjoyed it. It was fun. I had a good time at the theater. Um, I didn't like the movie opened with um, that ridiculous, um, the dead speak, exclamation mark thing. <laughs> yeah, that's but, not... you know, But that's corny. The whole crawl thing is corny to begin with anyway. So it was kind of a piece of that. And then it opens with this like really rush montage to sort of like wrench Palpatine into the story. And then it was, then you're pretty much just taken and gone on a ride where big things happen, but they have no, like characters die, but then they don't. Or characters' memories are erased, but it doesn't matter. Or um, there are no lasting consequences. The, 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 the stakes are left super low. Um, and the movie, um, the movie just sort of ends, um, not fulfilling its own premise and it's 
just not good. It's just not a good movie. And it was, I sat on the part, like normally like I kind of have like a glow of a movie afterward where I'm like, Oh, that was pretty good. And I try to defend it. Right. I try to defend it a little bit in my head. Like I, I spent weeks defending Spider-Man three JP weeks <laughs> before I realized it was a bad movie. I did the same for, um, um, tr- I mean, I still do it with Tron, um, you know, so like, you know me, I defend, I love bad movies and I try to give them the benefit of the doubt. And normally like it takes a while for me to realize that they're not good. I was in the car with Kana when we were like, this movie was not good. And that's rare for me. I think only the only other time that I can remember having that quick of a reaction, knowing that I've seen a bad movie was two times Prometheus and which I came around on later and, um, Batman and Robin. Ooh. That was the first time I ever realized I saw a bad movie, by the way. Um, I think that oh, was a the, lot of people's and experience. The pre- and then the prequels also are not so good. But yeah, yeah. But we'll talk about that. But yeah, so so I could go into I could just go on a chorus of what I think is wrong with that movie, and I know we'll get to it. So I, I but that's my thing. I was excited. Some things had been spoiled for me. Some of my expectations had been shaped, even though I tried to go into it completely clean, and I walked away really. Yeah. And the thing is, there are elements in the movie that I will defend. There are some things that people have criticized that I will defend in Rise of Skywalker. But I, I, there is one, maybe two glaring problems with the movie that utterly ruin it for me. And I'll get, I can talk about those in a bit. But yeah. Um, well, then, that's a, a great recap of uh, the little journey you went on before and after watching the movie. And uh, I, I think I feel like I had a somewhat similar reaction. Um, but I was you like read all the spoilers and stuff, right? I did. did. And you know what? I did it. I did it out of spite because I heard, I, I stumbled. I don't know how I forgot how stumbled upon one big spoiler and it made me angry. Which spoiler was that? That, uh, Ray was Palpatine's granddaughter. Oh, it made me so mad that I was like, you know what? I'm just going to read all of them now. <laughs> and and I did. And and sort of and my philosophy about reading I read leaks, all right? Leaks aren't the same as like finding the script and reading it all the way through. Leaks so, are which just, apparently you almost you almost could have. I guess yeah, I could have. Now, now in retrospect. John, yeah, but anyway. <laughs> oh yeah, I heard about that the whole eBay thing. Yeah. Um yeah, in retrospect, yeah, I actually probably could have um, I I was always kind of skeptical of of these sort of bullet point leaks because I had read a bunch for Game of Thrones, um, and I read a few that like ruined my day, but they didn't happen. Mm-hmm. One of them was like Tyrion dying, and I was like, "You're you're really gonna do that? Like, you're gonna kill off Tyrion in the last episode of Game of Thrones?" That like made me hate the whole show. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I forgot. Chuck's not a not a big Game of Thrones fan. Um, I've never watched it, so I just have nothing to say about it. Tyrion's not anti. Like, well, I've seen it. Tyrion's like one of my all time favorite characters on television. And when I found out, like when I when I had heard they were going to kill off in the last episode, it's just to me it just sort of registered as like mean, you know, right. um, like a personal attack. Um, so I I was kind of distrustful for leaks. So I was like, maybe most of these probably aren't even true anyway. So I read them. They're all true. <laughs> And but at the same time, it's also like when you just read like bullet points, it doesn't really kind of put much in perspective. Like you need kind of context. It's like right, I'm probably gonna forget most of these anyway because you just said like this happens and that happens, that happens, whatever. And I didn't forget most of them, except for Palpatine being Ray's grandfather. 
Um, which oh, I can't even begin to talk about how much I hate that check. Uh, but I, I went into this like, you know what? Maybe those bullet points weren't true. I'm going to brace myself for the worst. I now know like the worst things and I can just like let it speak for itself. You know, I'm not like a big, sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not, but mostly not like big on like avoiding everything about a movie because I can all, I, it's just not where my enjoyment comes from the most when it comes to watching films. Um, and I kind of feel like it lets you sort of allow the movie to kind of speak for itself. So, but that's just my opinion. And the movie did speak for itself. It didn't, and it turned out it didn't really have much to say. Uh, something about family, uh, a person, a friend could be a family. I don't know. It's that the usual J.J. Abrams thing he says. Um, there were some people who had like these cockamamie theories that J.J. Abrams is going to employ uh, time travel because uh, the only thing he's ever actually ended was uh, the, uh, was Felicity, and the last season of Felicity deals a lot with, with time travel. <laughs> And so people were kind of connecting those dots, and I was like, that'd be kind of funny if that happens. Um, didn't happen. A little disappointed. Carrie Russell was in it, though. Wait, wait, wait. You're actually disappointed? I, I, I feel like the worst thing, like, the, the only thing that could have done worse than that movie is if they had added time travel to it. Um, it, just, it just depends on how they would have done it. I would have, I would have, I would have liked to have seen that more than what I saw in the theaters. Um, okay. I, 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 would, I actually would rather have seen whatever Colin Trevorrow could have come up with than what I saw in theater. Oh, dude, I am totally on a, I am totally a Team Trevorrow script right now. I want to read it. I, I want to read it. I don't, I'm not, I don't know if, it, if they would have made a good movie, but if there's anyone out there who's listening and they may have it, just, just uh, leave a comment. Um, JP wants to read it. Um, so how's the feeling going in? I was willing to give it a benefit of the doubt. Even though I knew, I saw the red flags. I saw the warning signs. And I did enjoy it for the most part. Um, and I was starting to kind of, it started to kind of remind me of Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, I did not feel like I was going to be ultimately rewarded. And I, and I don't think I was rewarded for my, my, my faith and for putting faith in J.J. Abrams. <laughs> That probably sounds really harsh, but that's just how I feel. So no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't love it. <laughs> there might be things in retrospect that I might like, much like Star Trek in the Darkness. Do you know what I really like about Star Trek in the Darkness, Chuck? Uh, nothing. Um, no. Oh, uh, sorry, sorry. Um, 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 Marcus's ship, the Dreadnought, is awesome. I yeah, that's what I was about to say. Uh, um, what's his face? RoboCop. What's his name? Peter Welling. Yeah, Peter Willing is a blast in that movie. <laughs> He's chewing up so much scenery. It is so much fun to watch him interact with everybody else. It's a blast, and I feel like maybe that's what I'll see in retrospect. You know, like, like there may be some moments I can relive and watch on YouTube. I'm like that was fun. That was cool. Um, but I gotta say, you know, when when the Last Jedi came out, I didn't really get to. Um, I was like, it was like you. It was you, Patrick. Uh, and and Matt, who reviewed it on the podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. I wasn't there because I didn't have internet access at the time. That's right, that's right. Um, so I didn't get to establish that JP is an enormous Last Jedi fan. Um, and it's not my favorite one. I still love the original Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back more. Um, but I think it's the best Star Wars movie since then. Um, and it belongs in that league. And it really affected me. I love all the characters. I love Rose. <laughs> a character I love who was completely discarded. 
there's so much meaning in The Last Jedi, right? Every choice, every beat, everything has a, a setup and a consequence. And that's just not present in this movie. It's like, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. Uh, we got to go to A from B to A to B again. And like, this character died. No, they didn't. They're over here. And it's like, you're just trying to like, you're just trying to mix up my emotions. You know, you're trying to just give me the feels. And like, the whole Chewbacca thing, he died, but not really. I didn't care during either event. I didn't care that he died. I didn't care that he like survived. Because at first, first I thought the way he died was super silly. And then when he brought back, it was like, <laughs> also kind of silly. <laughs> Um, oh, there was another ship. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't remember there being another ship, but okay, whatever. Um, and the, I think the worst thing about this movie, Chuck, the one, the one glaring thing that like I can't forgive them. Carrie Fisher, I thought she was done. I thought it was done horribly. Um, watching Ray interact with her reminded me so much of the episode of South Park where Chef <laughs> came back. Oh my gosh! Yes. And they just kind of like copy and paste a bunch of dialogue that doesn't really go together. Because she she kept saying things, and it's like it's uh, is she senile? Is that what's going on? Like, and Ray's always like uh, Ray always kind of looks a little puzzled. Like, yeah, that's how I feel. Why don't you just give me a straight answer, woman? Like, you're you're Leia. You, you shoot us straight. Like, you don't. You're not Yoda. And I, I don't know. I just felt like it was more of a disservice to Carrie Fisher than a tribute. Uh, just, and I feel like I've seen better. Like, I think, I feel like Tarkin was probably handled better in Rogue One <laughs> than yeah. Carrie Fisher was handled in this one. I kind of feel like they should have just left her out completely, you know? Gosh, I don't know. There's so many other things I could get into, but I'll just say that I don't, I don't think super highly of it. I, here's the thing that got me, and this is what Kana and I immediately realized was the huge flaw in the movie is... So they're on, they're on, they go to Burning Man in space. <laughs> and in the midst of Burning Man, they fall into like quicksand that turn while well, they, or they're finding like a perfectly preserved Jedi ship that's apparently like 50 years old or something, or I guess 20 years old or whatever. And it's just like, just chilling. Um, and, uh, oh, and also apparently Luke just like abandoned Lando on the desert planet at some point because they, they don't really explain like Lando just sort of shows up and he just happens to be there either like Lando just really likes galactic party and that's why he's there, but he's in disguise and he just happens upon Ray and everybody. And he says, Oh, Luke, I was helping Luke find this like Jedi relic on this planet. And then Luke isn't there. So did Luke abandon Lando? Oh, I thought they had gone to like some other adventure in the past and they gave up on it. And like, so Lando just said like, hang out on a desert planet for no reason. Or is he just really like the party? He just wanted to go to the big party? I guess he wanted to go to the big party. I That's thought maybe he was style. tracking the Falcon. I don't know. Oh, but you're okay. right. They don't explain it. Like, he just happens to be there. But um, Which, by the way, don't get me wrong. I was very excited to see Billy Dee Williams in the movie. Uh, I who, liked who having Lando back. That yeah. was he was he was definitely highlight of the movie. All Absolutely. right. It was great to have Lando back. Good decision, JJ, to have Lando back and do something with him. Thank you. Um, and to have him in the Falcon again. Awesome. He, his co-pilot could have been Neon Numb, but that's okay. Uh, that's that okay. Been cool. Um, his gunner, his gunner was Wedge. I'm okay. That that that's that's a couple little fan servicey things I can hand. Five seconds of screen time, but yeah. I know. Um, even though I mean, Wedge has never been in the, that gunner position. I, I guess he was too old to fly an X-wing. I, I don't know. But um, X-wing suit. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so um, no, the biggest glaring issue with the movie for me 
and for Kana was that, okay, so they go to Burning Man, they fall in the hole, and when they fall in the hole, they're in the caves, and in the caves, so they have some great character interaction, by the way. Um, they're in the caves, they come across a snake, and this giant snake thing tries to eat them, and it's all pissed off. And Ray is like, hold on, let me try something. And she goes, and she uses the force to heal the snake, which, of course, this is a new force ability that you only know of because you've seen Baby Yodito do it in The Mandalorian, if you've been watching The Mandalorian. Right. So... She uses the force to heal the snake. And what does that healing do to the snake? The snake becomes kind. Yeah. And it leaves them. Fast forward. They're in the wreckage of the Death Star. Kylo Ren and her are fighting. She kills Kylo Ren. Or at least mortally wounds him. She mortally wounds yeah, Kylo Ren. See, that's a part we need to talk about because there's been a lot of people don't really understand what's going on yeah. there. Yeah. She mortally wounds Kylo Ren. So, like, he's going to die. But then she realizes, oh, wait, he was talking to his mother and she feels sort of bad that she took advantage of that moment to, 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 to deliver the blow. And so she uses the force to heal him again. And what happens to Kylo Ren after she heals him? Becomes good. He changes. Yeah. He, he kind of realizes, hey, there's something else going on, whatever. So he has this moment and then he has you know, the, the vision of his dad. It really pissed me off because it should have been Anakin Skywalker, but I'll get to that in a moment. Anyway. So he has he has he has he has his change of heart. He changes. He becomes a good guy after being healed by Ray. So now we've got two moments in the movie where Ray is demonstrating a new force power that clearly has the power to change behavior of people. Add to that, there's this moment when Finn finds the other where Finn finds the other deserter stormtroopers and it turns out this big reveal the First Order has been rounding up Force-sensitive kids and forcing them to be stormtroopers. Okay, that's cool. Something's going on there. Do nothing with it, but it's there. So, clearly, and they said, we just had this moment where we realized, hey, what we were doing is wrong. We put down our guns and we walked away. Okay, so you've got some theme. You're setting it up. So then Ray has an encounter with the Emperor. The Emperor is decrepit. He is hooked up to machinery. He is on the verge of dying. <sighs> And Ray kills him exactly the same way that Wonder Woman defeats Ares in the Wonder Woman movie. <laughs> they set it up that she could heal him and that the healing him would have some kind of fundamental change in what's going on in everything around her. She could have healed him. And in the process of healing him, it could have sent some kind of shockwave through the force. And the First Order all then realized, hey, wait a minute, something's wrong. The force has made us realize that we have, like, consciences and stuff. And so they, like, lay down their weapons exactly as Finn indicated that, you know, so this idea the force had awakened. It was a title of a movie. The force awakens. It awakened in people trying to change their hearts. And instead of killing the dude, you heal him. And ultimately you have a story of the triumph that happens through conversion, wholeness, restoration, and not violence and death and defeat. That is my problem with the rise of Skywalker. It was on the table and they left it. Well, there's, I mean, it's also the, this, the way that the last Jedi ended, right? With Rose literally saying, that's mm. how we're going to win. Not by yes. destroying what we hate, but saving what we love. And that's how Luke saves the rebellion. Yes. Yeah. I don't know about like healing Palpatine or Palpatine, whatever. Um, what well, kill uh, him? And maybe all the Sith, maybe all those like Sith acolytes kill him because he's not a Sith anymore. I don't know, but you could yeah, have done yeah, yeah, yeah. something that should have healed him. The, I, I mean, I, especially it would be poetic, right? Re Revenge of the Sith. 
there's like a whole thing about the fact that he uses the force lightning against Mace Windu and it scars his body and he gets up in front of the Senate and makes this whole thing about like his powers have scarred me, blah, 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 blah. Right. So you've already got a theme that his injury is a thing for him. You heal him and it un- it makes it kind of makes that moment in Revenge of the Sith better. Like, I mean, like that's it was on the table. That's what makes me so mad. And this is what Kana and I have talked about every single day since seeing the movie is that and this is what frustrates us both about Rise of Skywalker. I think she thinks movies better than I do. But is that is that it's it, it's ultimately a profoundly disappointing movie mm-hmm. because it's just blown opportunities like and it's so clear they're there. They're like right in front. Like how how is it that that movie could be made? You know, with the budget that it has and all the eyes looking at it, and people not to see like, hey, wait a minute. Like you're totally setting it up that Ray's not going to heal this guy. Well, you know, I, I think it just kind of goes back to process. And you know, I there have been some. Um, there's like this big interview with Chris Terrio recently, right? Where he just kind of spills his guts on like what on a lot of questions people have about certain story beats. Mm -hmm. And he uh, even reveals the process of how they wrote the screenplay. And that process is kind of, I don't think that's what Ryan Johnson did. (laughs) That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. They were like thinking of things like, uh, you know, we need, we need to have this moment. We need to have that moment. We need to, somebody mentioned this in a movie, so we should address that. We've got to give Chewie a medal. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I audibly laughed when that when that happened, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's because I thought it was charming, but like as soon as I saw, it, I was like, oh, oh my gosh, okay. Um, but like I said, it's 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 process, you know. It's the talent behind what's being done, and Chris Terrio, who's a screenwriter, he's not a not a strong writer in my opinion. Um, not a very literary writer, very studio mandated you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. connect these dots get me here get me there you know um you you have someone like ryan johnson who comes from a background of independent filmmaking who is obsessed with you know crime novels and mystery and fiction um and drama lots of drama and theme (laughs) right i mean can you little sidebar for a second can can you sort of articulate what the major themes in rise of skywalker were and like how they were delivered in this movie because i i can't really it's a little muddled (laughs) uh i think the only theme in that movie was the whole family thing that's well i think the theme but i think the theme is really jj abrams like like just mad that he didn't make the all three movies <laughs> and, and tried to like for try to try to cram his version of eight and nine into one movie. Yeah. Um, well, can I, can I just say like one thing that really upsets me about all of this and that you're saying like, it's just, it's like a list of missed opportunities. I think the yeah. one big missed opportunity is you created you, JJ Abrams created some very amazing characters in the force awakens, Ray, Finn, Poe, Kylo Ren, and you would think that, like, okay, I'm back. Now let me just play with these guys and just cut out all the riffraff, right? right. Like, let's see how far we can push these characters. What are their boundaries? Where can I take them? Well, Rose's wasn't his creation, but she should have been with them. 
and it's like to me it's just like you, you have the millennium falcon you have these cool new characters like cool new toys and you get to put them in there and just send them on an adventure but it's like you you sort of they, they burden themselves with this idea that it has to wrap up nine movies which a kind of impossible um b seems like it was probably mandated by bob Iger. <laughs> Um, because I think there was probably a moment where the, the future Star Wars was sort of like in question, uh, because they were so upset with how Solo performed, which is kind of baffling because it did pretty well. Right. I don't love it. Critics didn't love it, but I don't think it did so poorly that oh god, we got to rethink our whole structure. It's like a better, it's a better movie than Rise of Skywalker. Whatever. I I, I mean, sure, whatever. I, you know. It is. <laughs> There's no debate about that. I find Solo to be very dull. I can't really get into it. Like it's for me, it doesn't really take off. That's but that's 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 just my opinion. <laughs> um, okay. But but I'll say, um, um, but that that's to me that's the big missed opportunity, and that's kind of what I was expecting since we started this whole thing. Like I thought this this whole thing was to pass the torch, right? Like that's that's what everyone that's the language everyone kept using during the first movie. That these are new right. characters are going to go into the future Star Wars and they're going to open up the galaxy by the time this is over. Not close it all off. Not wrap up a bunch of things that have already been wrapped up. You know? <laughs> like, you can't put any more wrapping on that. Well, and that's the thing is, Last Jedi wrapped it up. Well, you know, and that's, and that's, and that's, you're, you're right. It did. But it also put, I mean, I think Ryan Johnson did J.J. Abrams a really big service by giving him a clean slate for this movie. Yeah, super clean slate. Do whatever you want now. Like you don't really have that much baggage. I mean, you may have to address some things like, like what is Ray's new approach to the Jedi going to be now that we sort of we've established that okay, the Jedi Order sucked, and we have to kind of learn from that. So what's it going to be? Um, not addressed at all in this movie. From right as no. far as J.J. Abrams is concerned, the Jedi were fine. Right? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Right, which is right back to Jedi versus Sith, which is yeah, like that. And that's the thing is, is that I actually really like that. Last Jedi is a movie that's about Luke feeling so profoundly guilty about the fact that he is allowing the same cycle to repeat itself in him. That this moment where he thinks about killing his nephew. That he's so overcome with guilt for even having that flash of a thought because he's so caught up in that fear of the same play of the same story playing out over and over again that he decides he's going to go back to Octo to the original Jedi Temple and he's going to hide out there until he dies. He just let the Order die with him in the hope that somebody will do something new. And then Ray shows up and she ends up taking the original Jedi texts with her. And then apparently also Luke's journal, I guess, because they use that in Rise of Skywalker. But she takes she takes the original Jedi texts and like basically sets up this idea that and Yoda and all that makes up this idea that she now can read these with fresh eyes. She doesn't have the baggage of centuries of expectation on her because even Luke, you know, he's got this pressure from Yoda and Obi-Wan and all these people to sort of re reignite this old thing. But Luke ultimately realizes the whole thing was flawed to begin with because he realized that by the end, right, Darth Sidious came up because the Jedi were so vain they couldn't see past their own problems. 
And so he's, you know, he's saying we need to do something new. So the movie, you're right. Movie totally sets up the idea that Ray can do something completely different. On top of that, Rogue One opens up this whole range of other force worshipers. Oh, yeah, yeah. All of those pilgrims on Jedha and like, you know, all the different characters and their different approaches to the force. Like you've opened up this whole new door of like a whole new way of doing things, you know, and, you know, it still could involve lightsabers. Right. Like there's no one saying that you can't be that. But it could be, you know, that the, if the idea was about finding balance, it's about learning to embrace the light and the dark because light and dark are morally neutral concepts. In and of themselves. And and I think what's really interesting is how you use them that makes them, you know, good or bad. And so like And one thing, you know, I I pointed this out to to you and Matt. I brought this up with with you and Matt our messenger thing. One thing I think is really interesting that's been really explored uh in the Star Wars universe since Disney picked it up is that it's not that the Star Wars universe itself is black and white. It's just this core story that it kind of the universe hinges on is black and white. Right. But the rest of the universe is basically just like the real world. It's, 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 you know, it's, it, there's a lot of in between <laughs> rogue yeah. one. There's a lot of great characters, in rogue one, a lot of great characters in solo. Um, you know, you have characters like Kylo Ren who just like, they're just not comfortable in this black and white dichotomy, you know, and it, it, it brings nothing but conflict to them. You could have explored that a little bit more, I guess. Especially it, with Kylo Ren's character. Um, how J.J. Abrams handled all this reminds me of how when I was a kid, how me and my friend Scott would play with Jurassic Park toys. Yeah. So when Jurassic Park came out, you know, we had a bunch of Jurassic Park toys and we played Jurassic Park. And I realized, like, for me, like, the way that I played with Jurassic Park was in my head, like, I reenacted the same – I reenacted the Jurassic Park movie – just where different dinosaurs were sort of the main dinosaurs. Okay. So instead of like a beat for beat recreation of the movie, it would be like, oh, instead of the instead of the Velociraptors chasing the kids, it's the Dilophosaurus and, you know, things like that. Um, maybe a Spinosaurus attacks instead of the T-Rex or whatever. But it was the same basic, you know, the way I'd play with it every time I play with it, it was basically the same storyline of the movie. I was just reenacting the movie, just, you know, rearranging, you know, just remixing the characters in the you know, in the pieces. And I feel like that's what JJ Abrams did with, with this movie. Mm-hmm. What is that? And with, and even kind of force awakens, like he oh, just, yeah. he just sort of took the rough skeleton of a new hope and just sort of put some new characters in doing the same things. I mean, just think about now, let's think about what we know now in rise of Skywalker. What was the point of star killer base? To be a Why goes to the, like, but why go through the trouble? Well, no, no. Think about it from within universe, from an in-universe standpoint. Okay. Palp- Palpatine is running the show really from the background. He's he's created this clone thing called Snoke that it's basically him that he sort of it's like an avatar of him working through whatever. This is garbage, but anyway, this is what he's doing. Um, and he um, and which by the way, I, I started watching Clone Wars, and there's a character who's like a his like who's like Count Dooku's apprentice. She's like a night sister or something. I don't know what she is. Uh, Asajj Ventress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's cool. Yeah, she is cool. And they call her Supreme Leader in the first episode of The Clone Wars. And, like, there's no reason Snoke couldn't be the same species as her. I don't – anyway, there's already, like, a connection that they could have made with – anyway. So, um, so Snoke – Snoke is really – Snoke is, you know – so Palpatine's actually the one really running the First Order. So he has them build Starkiller Base. All the while – he apparently has a fleet of star destroyers that have planet-killing weapons in them. Why go through the trouble 
of reformatting an entire planet in order, you know, in demonstrating that in order for in order to destroy uh, destroy planets, you need a, a massive energy source. And ostensibly, the only reason they build Starkiller Base is because they are out of kyber crystals in order to use on the Death Star to do something like the Death Star again. So they have to create this planet that draws its energy from a sun. It leaches planet, you know, leaches energy from a star in order to destroy multiple planets at once. Okay, cool, cool weapon. But the whole time, Palpatine's got this fleet of star destroyers that can do it, like. Why is he hanging out in the background? Uh, I mean, wasn't Starkiller Base Hux's idea? Like, isn't that his uh, his baby? Like, uh, I don't know. Maybe I think Snoke mentions that in the Last Jedi, and then said he he like kind of called him a failure because Starkiller Base is a failure. Oh, I guess. But okay, all right. So, all right, whatever. Not that the there's thing, any cohesion anyway. But <laughs> I know. But like, Palpatine's inclusion is the biggest problem, and. And the, but the thing is, is that it's not inherently a bad idea. I just want to lay that out. It's not a bad idea because it adds, you know, George Lucas' whole thing. It's poetic, right? To so the idea that that you, the reveal that Palpatine has been the villain through all of these movies is great. And on top of that, I'm just been, I've been watching the prequels with my kids, and they set up this idea that Palpatine has a plan, that he's got this very long term vision plan going on. And so if you you know have it where he understands that Vader turning was just a bump in the road and his long-term plans or whatever, like that totally can work. It, the ground has been laid. If it's just a close reading of the previous movies and you could work something out of this. So if you're going to include Palpatine, it's not inherently a bad idea. Just give it some friggin' thought. Yeah, I don't know. Let's talk about Palpatine for a second. How do you feel about him being uh, Ray's grandfather? Uh, it's it's useless. Yeah, I know it's meaningless, right? Like when they reveal it, who cares? Like Ryan Johnson, and you're gonna hear this a lot, folks. Apologies in, 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 in advance. Ryan Johnson, you know he 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 had very specific reasons why he wanted Ray to be from 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 nobody from nowhere, right? Much like. There are very specific reasons behind making Darth Vader Luke Skywalker's father, and why at the they were revealed at those moments. Those those were the lowest moments at at the time. It's not. It's like the. It's like the one thing Ray cannot hear. Same thing with Luke. He just lost his hand. Just basically just lost a fight with Vader. Um. When when it's revealed that. Palpatine is your grandfather, man. I don't even remember like what what point of the story was, at what point of, of the narrative it was when when he re, when it's revealed to her. Was it Ben that reveals it to her? Yeah, and it's and during so their still... it's it's during one of their little forced conversations. I think it's while they're having that 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 fight where she's like on his ship. Yeah, they're 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 fighting through the force, which is a cool which is cool by the way. I think it's a uh, I think. I think it is cool, but I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but someone pointed out that, like, the reason why that power was introduced in The Last Jedi was because Ryan Johnson thought that every time these two are together, they're just going to fight each other. I needed them to actually just talk to each other. So he came up with that sort of ability to do that. And J.J. Abrams uses it, and they fight through it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know, I agree. But but at the same time, I also don't feel like it's... It, 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 I feel it's an effective. It, it, it builds on what we've seen, right? Because like it's material cool does piece. pass through in Last Jedi, so the idea that it can be exploited for, and it gives us a, one of the cool scenes 
it does give us one of the cool things in the movie is when she manages to use it to pass the solo lightsaber, the you know, Anakin and Luke's lightsaber to him in the final thing. That's kind of a cool deal, even though there's been like all this hype about the Knights of Ren and talk about another letdown, man. I wanted to see like what Kylo Ren's posse was going to be like. Like I've been looking forward to that for a while. Are they supposed to be Jedi? I thought so too. Like I thought they all they all had lightsabers. I don't know. The, the, the whole like the whole thing, right? The whole thing, especially what we see in especially what we see in Last Jedi, is they clearly set up the idea that the Knights of Ren are the Jedi are the are the left are the apprentices, like the students that yeah, that didn't like, die, and he takes with him and he corrupts them. Yeah, that's why I thought so too. But they're just and they're like, just just a couple of thugs, like just a few thugs that. It's basically Boba Fett times nine, right? I mean, it's it's just a cool costume completely wasted. It's it's no different from the Praetorian Guards in The Last Jedi. Right. Which everyone thought who were, were the Knights of Ren, which I thought was kind of funny. But I was like, no, that, that, they have a name. Um, yeah, so they, they kind of got reduced to that. Basically just more Stormtrooper nonsense. No, the thing is, it's like, okay, and this is the other thing that gets, that gets me. It's like, I, and I, th- I think I said this to you a couple times already, is what I don't understand is it's a movie where it feels like I was watching the rough draft of the script being filmed. Like, just one or two more eyes looking at it, I feel like could have changed it, like some key things. Like, for instance, again, you've got a storyline revealing the idea that the First Order is rounding up Force-sensitive kids and forcing them to be your soldiers, that's a cool idea. You want Palpatine to be your villain? Cool. Palpatine's basically make Palpatine Herod. He is trying to take these kids out of the equation so that they are not that they are not a threat to his power. So he knows where every Force user is located. They are in his they are in his ranks, and he has them under control, brainwashed, whatever. Um, you know, so that he that basically Palpatine wants to be the only Force person in the in the galaxy. He wants to you know he wants a monopoly on the use of the Force. Cool. That's a cool idea. That's something you could do. You could do with that. Um, Ray, Ray is clearly a force sensitive child, um, and you don't need her to be Palpatine's. You don't need her to be Palpatine's granddaughter in order for that story to work. It could, you know, the idea that she's just a force sensitive kid that was being hidden away because the parents were scared the first order were going to take her. They've caught word that force sensitive children. You know, steal, you know, or maybe like maybe it's like maybe maybe it's the I don't know, maybe they're like related to another Jedi and they know that like that there's like force strength is in their lineage. And so that's just out of concern that she might be being targeted. And so they, you know, they hide her away. It doesn't she doesn't. The thing is, her being Palpatine's granddaughter, like you said, it means nothing. And even the reveal has no weight or power to it. It's just here's a fact about you. Mm hmm. And like, I, don't, I just well, I have a theory, Chuck. I think I know why ultimately Palpatine ends up being Ray's grandfather, and why they felt the need to close that loop. I don't know if it was you know Abrams was like super adamant about it or whatever, but I, I could see it coming from on high, because I heard this interesting um, factoid about uh, Kathleen Kennedy. She, apparently, mm-hmm. she had a meeting with George Lucas. It was back when Disney had just bought Lucasfilm. They wanted to make her head of Lucas, or head of head, the head of Lucasfilm, and she had a meeting with George Lucas because she was like, "To be honest, I really don't know why people love Star Wars so much. Like, what is the magic behind Star Wars 
that makes it work so well with audiences because I, I don't know what it is and lucas told her well i'll i'll teach you about it and so they had this meeting and he tell and he tells her all this stuff about like you know the joseph campbell story that you know the monomyth uh, the hero's yeah, journey yeah. he she he goes through all the storytelling and he's he's like the whole and the whole point is storytelling the whole cyclical storytelling thing and she's like i don't think that's it because we've all tried replicating that and we still can't do anything as big as star wars We've all tried doing it. She's so she's like, there has to be more to it than that. And he's like, no, no, no. That that's all it is. It's just it's just, just storytelling. It's the story cycle. It's the monomyth. Blah 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 blah. And she's like, George, just tell me, what were you going through at the time when you were fantasizing about Star Wars? When you were creating Star Wars, what was? Where were you emotionally? Where were you mentally? And he's like, well, my father wanted me to take over the hardware store and i remember thinking that sounds awful like i cannot see myself spending the rest of my life in this just running a hardware store like that's just like a dead end life to me and she's like that's it that's what star wars is star wars is not becoming your parents and you know, you probably could have just run with that with the fact that Ray's parents were a couple of drunks. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's like, because we have to connect everything. And because, you know, we have to make it the big bad actually bad, like super evil. You don't want to become the super evil person. So it's really easy to make that choice. Make it Palpatine, her, her, her grandfather. Which, by the way, let's, I, I want to, I want to, we're starting to run out of time. <laughs> I don't want to spend this whole episode just trashing Rise of the Sky Rise of Skywalker, but I do want to I do want to bring up this one thing. Okay, I think one of the worst lines in the movie is um, they sold they sold you to protect you. Right. That's a little weird. Um. Okay, if if your if your child is is you know the offspring that the the grand offspring or whatever of Palpatine. Um, you, you don't sell it to some, you don't sell your child to some criminal on some backwater planet, do you? Or do you like maybe take it to the resistance, I guess, or I don't know. I, I just kind well, of I guess feel the, like, well, the Republic, it would have been the Republic at that time. Yeah. Like, I think, I feel like maybe you would probably trust the new Republic, uh, but maybe no. even Luke. Yeah. So I just kind of, yeah, that too. But I just kind of feel like it, it's really strange to conflate this, like, okay, well, they got. They had to protect her somehow, but also they were awful. Uh, so they sold her into slavery to protect her. I thought. <laughs> like, I, thought so, I thought. But I thought strange. Ren said. But I thought Ren said that they wanted her to believe that they were drunks. Like he wanted. They they, they really remember. passed themselves off as that, and they really weren't bad people. I have no idea. I don't remember. Yeah, he says. Like that. I said, he this said, movie was such a blur to me. I like. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that. I mean, it's still, it's still weird. But this is the thing. It, but Kathleen Kennedy is right, and the, and I and I've heard some scuttlebutt around that Iger inserted himself into the process of this movie at some point, yeah. and that I heard that too. Lucas and that Lucasfilm, that Lucasfilm are like big. They, they're they're really behind Last Jedi and think it's an excellent, an excellent movie. But Iger didn't like the negative. I heard that too. And about that. Um, that Iger I mean, hates the last Jedi. Like that's, that's like the big rumor, right? Like, which I don't know if I buy it because you know, like that movie didn't just like sort of fall out of Ryan Johnson's mind without, you know, like yeah. 
the story group and like all these people, but maybe, I don't know, maybe $2 billion. I know. (laughs) Um, but it's, um, but the, the scuttlebutt is that. And, but what's interesting is if that's the case, because you can see both in force awakens and in the last Jedi that what that film, what both those films are dealing with is the same issue that Kathleen Kennedy said. It's about not wanting to be your parents. And it's about those force awakens and last Jedi set up the storyline to basically be about, the millennial and and Gen Z looking at the failures of the boomers. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good interpretation of it. Yeah. Right, because I mean, you think about it, right? There's a boomer generation that you know Mark Hamill and all them are the boomer generation, and they are total stand-ins for all this like revolutionary stuff that was going on in the '60s and '70s. And they, you know, they got into power, and then they, you know, they, they, they you know, they, and now they're, you know, they sort of, what do they do now? Yeah, you know, and so and 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 also on top of that, they sort of, you know sometimes don't necessarily pay attention to their own, to the areas where they didn't do so well. Yeah. And that's the thing. Another thing about it is it's, it's so unfortunate. I, Carrie Fisher's death, I think really kind of threw a wrench in the whole thing, you know, like, yeah. because these movies were, were supposed to be sort of anchored by those leads. Like the force. Awakens, yeah. Yeah. The force awakens sort of anchored by Han last Jedi anchored by Mark Hamill. And this one was supposed to be anchored by Carrie Fisher. And like, and it's, it's about Ray's relationship with each one of them. And, you know, Kylo Ren confronting each one of them, his relationship with each one of them. And the last one we didn't, and it would have been, it was going to be really interesting because like, you know, he killed Han Solo. He hates Luke Skywalker, but like all throughout the movies, like he's very hesitant about his mother, mm-hmm. you know, like that's, you kind of see like, that's where the conflict is probably. Kind just of like, from. just like all basement dwelling fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's with their, with their, with their unique collectibles and their cosplay. So they're Um, they're probably in a horrible position anyway, you know? Yeah. And, and I do feel for JJ Abrams because like he probably really had to play it safe because didn't they like finish shooting like March? Something like that. And they, I mean, they fast track the movie and that's the other thing is I don't know why they kind of delayed it a little bit, just giving it some more time, but that's just how studios do things now, man. Like you got to. But there's like right there's thing like, in like a year's there's time. There's one studio now. I know. <laughs> what are they so um, worried about? <laughs> they have no competition. Uh, what are they worried about? Cats? I mean, come on. Um, but I um, I think that yeah. I mean, I could spend I could spend three hours crapping on on Rise of Skywalker, and mostly because again, if I watch it again, I'll probably have different feelings. There's stuff in it that works. Okay, let's talk. Let's 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 be a little positive. Some things that work, in my opinion. All the scenes with Luke on Octo, they work. And I, I can't stand the fanboys that are all like, see, JJ's sticking it to Ryan Johnson in the way that handle because Luke catches the lightsaber and says, there's no way to treat a weapon. And it's a shut up. <laughs> Sorry. You clearly did not watch Last Jedi. And that the whole thing is, one, Mark, Mark is clearly being very cheeky when he does that. And the other is, is that that reveals that Luke learned lessons. Yeah, he's enlightened now. Like he's enlightened. He yeah. learned lesson at the end of Last Jedi. At the one, you know, he he. That's the whole point of Last Jedi. Is he ends with him realizing that his behavior and all that, and that whole movie is not the way it's supposed to be. Um, and then um, and then getting him, getting to see him raise the X wing is kind of cool. Um, yeah, yeah, that was kind of cool. They played Yoda's music. I wasn't cool with that. 
but he's sort of stepped into that role, right? And that, it's that scene. It's a callback to that scene where he failed. <sighs> yeah. There he is. He finally is coming. It, 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 that's kind of that's that's poetic George Lucas stuff, and I, I I'm on board. Though, um, how long did that wing sit underwater? And I like, like, I guess, I guess spacecraft in Star Wars, like, they suffer no consequences. Well, you know how J.J. Abrams, J.J. Uh, Abrams, he likes to put spaceships underwater. Like that's just. Well, but like, like he you know, abandoned. he probably like he probably like used to be a kid when he was a kid. He liked to take his his spaceships in the bath with him. Like that's probably why he, they're always underwater. Like the Enterprise is underwater, and you know, well, Millennium Falcon was never underwater. Well, the X Wing was. Well, no, because like Luke the Star Destroyers but, were. But the, but the X Wing was underwater from Ryan Johnson. Come on. But okay, whatever. I'm just he abandoned I'm trying it. The point I'm trying to get at is like it comes out of the water and it's like immediately flyable. Like <laughs> cars don't do that. The call sign is still active. Red five. That's because they, cool. they call her. They call her Red five. Yeah. Um, cool. but um, like that worked. I thought that was good. Everything with Luke was good. I love Luke Skywalker. Um, oh, the last but... shot of him and Leia is kind of. I don't know. I just think Mormon. I don't. Okay. It looked I like guess... something out of like a Sunday school picture Bible thing. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I liked uh, uh, Leia's lightsaber. That was kind of cool. Yeah, that she got to have a lightsaber. I, and I actually did. And, I, and then some people were kind of like creeped out by it. But like the scene where you saw young Luke and young Leia training, yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. I thought it was cool, probably because it was so dark. <laughs> um, that worked. I like that. Um, pretty much. Oh, Ben Solo, great. I wish we could have spent more time with him. Yeah, Adam Driver is great. He's he's always yeah, great. He's, so good. he's great in all three of these films, even in this one. And what's given to him. There's not much, but he does what he can, and he does really well. Kylo Ren's reconstructed Kintsugi helmet is cool. Yeah, I like it too. With the cracks on it, even though like they make a big deal of him reconstructing the helmet, then it doesn't really mean anything. But I, he, he did. I did think it was really cool that the Sith chimp was putting the Sith chimp is that, cool. That was really sweet. <laughs> okay, everybody's like everybody on the internet is like going nuts over like Baba Frick or whatever his name is. Babu Frick. Yeah, we all got we I, all got everyone got Babu Frick fever up in here. I I don't I don't I don't. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I got the baby Yoda fever, fever still, but yeah. Um, okay, so but we, we can't can, we say. Can... Oh, we can agree on this, though, right? Uh, Dio, best Rodney best James. star best Star Wars name in the entire franchise, if you ask me. Uh... <laughs> also, what the? Why is Dio in the movie? I don't know. Man. What is the point of Dio? He has the the missing piece of the the map, right? Like the he knows where. Oh, just like R two did in Force Awakens. There was some kind of some kind of map. <laughs> this thing is such a blur. I don't remember anything. I don't. <laughs> I remember a dagger had a, had a compass in it, and it lined up with the Death Star. And it's three, like three the... PO learned the power of friendship. I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, okay, one thing I do have to say, and then we'll We're we'll move to on say to good better. We keep going back to bad things. It's so much bad. <laughs> okay, it was nice seeing Harrison Ford again. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. Even though that scene should have been Anakin Skywalker. What would he be wearing, though? It'd just be Hank Christensen, man. Yeah, but what like, is he, I know, what like, is he wearing? I know, I know, like, Keelan. I know Keelan, friend of the show. Keelan had been in a long time. Bet my, one of my best friends. It, he would have groaned deeply to see Hank Christensen <laughs> on there. But you know what? It would have – it had the potential to actually make the prequels better, right? To be like, hey, kid. Like, you've been looking – like, that's another thing. He's been chasing Vader his whole life. Yeah. He is at the spot where Vader died. And he is now having a confrontation of a conflict of emotions, which is what Vader had in the spot where he's standing. So, like, 
Anakin Skywalker's force goes popping up and being like, Hey kid, like you've been chasing me all along. And like, now you're, now you fully understand like where I'm at and where I was. And now guess what? You have the chance to do, you, you, you wanted to be better than me. Then go stop this. I think that right? was supposed to happen. Like, I think Hayden Christensen, I don't know where I'm getting this information. I don't know, but I feel like there was plans for Hayden Christensen to show up and that would have been pretty cool. I mean, I'd be on board with that. Listen, listen, I, I would give me that movie. I will put out a special edition of that thing in a few years, like <laughs> fix some stuff. Um, but I, but, I did appreciate uh, hearing, uh, you know, uh, 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 forgetting everyone's name. Ahsoka uh, Tano. Ahsoka, hearing Ahsoka, hearing uh, Mace Windu, Qui-Gon. Uh, yeah, you know, and um, Freddie Prince Jr. That was cool. Really nice, nice to have actually seen them on screen. So <clears throat> well, you know, they're cartoons. You can't really. Maybe, I mean, you could do like a live action representation. People would be kind of freaked out by it probably. I don't know. The- well, but it's okay when they do it for Carrie Fisher, a live action representation of Carrie Fisher. <sighs> oh, that's just sorry. It's kind of ghoulish. It's it's weird. Um, okay, so so it, it so why is the Skywalker not good, and not good because of just blown potential? Like there, and this is the thing is, is like I've realized in the years, JP, that my criticisms of of the prequels has largely been around that those movies are. Not the movies I would have made. And so I had to come to peace with the fact that that they're still flawed and they're flawed they're and, and and they're flawed for for their own reasons within their own making. but i can't I can't hold them. I can't judge them against something that only exists in my head. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I have to learn to appreciate them for what they are and how they're presented. And like, yeah. I mean, it's, if there's one thing I've learned in the past year is that uh, sometimes there's more to a, a work of art than its quality. Right. And so I've – so I'm trying to remember where I was going with that. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, it's okay. I'm just trying to remember why I was why I the prequels because, like, I've, I've just learned to appreciate them for what they are and to not – oh, that's what, that's what I was going to say is that, like, I can watch the prequels and I can say, like, you know, George Lucas should never be allowed to direct children. <laughs> Um, George Lucas probably shouldn't let his kids cameo in movies. Um, Jar Jar Binks. Other people's kids. Right. And it's like, I mean, and and these are things that are clear that if you understand how the original trilogy was made, they were made because there were people surrounding George Lucas that were being like, you just can't do that. Like you, you, you know, there are people who are tempering his indulgences. The problem with the prequels is that they allow, they allow George Lucas to completely indulge himself. And, and so, and so the, that's the problem with it is that those are movies that would have benefited from just some restraint on a few things. Um, like, George, maybe it'd be better if we just like cast a bunch of people dressed as clone troopers instead of all CGI, <laughs> you know, things like that. Um, you know, um, you know, and again, maybe George Lucas shouldn't have directed those movies. But the, the, but the, the, the idea and the story they're telling and the things that are in there, they're not bad. Yeah. They're just not executed as strongly as they could be. Mm-hmm. My feeling about Rise of Skywalker is that is that it's a bad idea, poorly executed. Right. Like it's there's there it's just it's flawed from the get go, and that again, like watching it, it feels like it feels like this was the draft of a script, not the final thing being filmed. Well, there's just not a whole lot of story like it's it's just plot it's just this happens this happens this happens this happens right. this happens this happens 
you know, from the ground up, it's it's already you you've already lost, you know. Well, that but that isn't J.J. Abrams' thing. He's just a plot writer, not really a story writer. I don't know. I, I mean, this, and this is the thing: is we're talking about the guy who did Star Trek two thousand nine, a movie I love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He is one of the best casting. He is one of the best cat. Like he get, he can assemble a great cast. He's got a great eye for casting. Yeah, it's like I said, he's made some great characters. Mm-hmm. But it's like he doesn't have confidence in them, you know? Like right. He right. doesn't. Yeah, it's kind of amazing that it took someone like Ryan Johnson to really like make his characters, the characters J.J. Abrams created into something. Yeah. Like I said, you would have had a great, I mean, and, and people would have loved to see all these characters together and the Millennium Falcon just going on an adventure together. Like, mm-hmm. even throw Kylo Ren in there and so people can be like, what's he doing in here? <laughs> like, you know, like. Actually, I actually do think one one thing that might have been if there is a flaw to Last Jedi, it would have been letting Kylo Ren become a villain at the end. It would have been kind of cool if he had turned, but um, or actually a flaw. But but at the same time, it's also kind of cool to see that as the mirroring of what you know the the invert of what we've seen in Star Wars, which is you know this redemptive arc, and that the movie ends with him doubling down on being a villain, and he should be the main villain. And the last movie should have just been Ray and him having at it and then she could have healed him and then yeah. and so there would be no need for palpatine um totally but um it's like anyway said, there's, that, no, there's no confidence there's you know there's no yeah. it's they played it safe who's our tried and true villain palpatine <laughs> you know but even he's not but really the tried and true villain of star wars is darth vader yeah but um you can't bring him back it's well, in the concept art, there was Darth Vader's force ghost. So that was a cool idea. The idea that like the dark manifestation of Vader could exist after death. That's kind of cool. Maybe. Um, so, all right. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and it's interesting you bring up the prequels because I've been thinking about them a lot too. And I don't know if it's because of this movie or anything, but I've actually been listening to a, a podcast. Um, well, there's this really great podcast called The Blank Check podcast and it's a a film critic and a comedian slash actor the film critic is uh david sims from the atlantic film critic for the atlantic and the actor is griffin newman who plays arthur on the tick on amazon oh nice and uh it's actually a great podcast they go through uh filmographies and they find directors who like hit it real big and studio gives them you know what people refer to as a blank check and they make they can make whatever they want and they go through their entire filmography, and it's it's great. But when they first started out, it was a podcast about the Phantom Menace, <laughs> and so I'm I'm re, I'm going I'm starting from the beginning, and so far they've done like three two hour long episodes just talking about the Phantom Menace, and it's given me a lot to think about. Yeah, and uh, it's it's kind of reminded me like I actually really, I really like the design of the Phantom Menace. I hated mm-hmm. it when I was a kid because like it just didn't look like Star Wars. I look back at it now, I'm like it's beautiful, like it's. Mm-hmm. It's really nice, like, and, and I feel like George Lucas kind of buckled under pressure to make it more like make the prequels more like the old trilogy because you kind of see that sort of progression of design. I well, think he fast, I think he fast tracked it a little too much. Well, the idea um, but... of yeah, he did fast track it way too much because I mean, like the last the last shot of Revenge of the Sith, there's suddenly like you know uniformed Imperials. Where do they come from? Yeah, exactly. Um, um, but, but but like the Naboo ships, beautiful. Yeah, I love it. I love the I love all the Nubian stuff. I, was it Nubian? I don't know. Yeah, it's I, Nubian. I think, yeah, that's so weird. Well, because I mean, it doesn't make sense linguistically to say Nubian. You'd say well, Nubian. It wouldn't be the weirdest thing to say in Star Wars. That's for sure. There's a genre of music I won't mention. 
<laughs> I don't know that's canon anymore. <laughs> no, it's still canon. <laughs> okay. Oh, really? <laughs> A canon of... <laughs> <laughs> but no, I don't know. It, it's like you said. Like, you know, there's more to a movie than its quality. Um, And when you look past the quality of Star Wars and you see what, what George Lucas was trying to do, it's kind of amazing. You know, you kind of see a little bit of the framework when you kind of step back and how each film was very distinctly different from the last one. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, we need to do an episode about the prequels. <laughs> yes, we do. Because be I'm watching, because my, my boys are like eating, breathing, drinking, living Star Wars right now. And, um, and they're, you know, so we've, we've, we're, 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 we're revealing the movies to them in machete order. Oh, okay. So we've watched a new hope empire, Phantom Menace and attack of the clones and attack of the clones is not a good movie. Um, Oh yeah, that's, and that's, I think that's the one I don't like. Like, I can't really look past its quality. <laughs> I can't really, it's, well, it's, it's, it's very poorly written and very poorly acted. And the and the and this the 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 production design it's just it's it's indulgent CGI that doesn't need to be CGI. Yeah. Um, it's just not tasteful, and so it it just it suffers for it. But I mean, but at the same time, George Lucas is trying to like you know pave new ground in terms of computer generated imagery and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, I feel like uh, that's the one where he's really trying to push special effects, just because of how many set pieces are in it. Yeah. Like it's just like a just a gong over and over beating you over the head like oh make it a stop yeah um um yeah you realize that after the you know because you sort of feel like the geonosis bit with like the execution like oh that's the climax of the film oh no we've got an entire battle now to watch and then we've got yoda fighting with dooku which is a terrible name um all right, so we talked about prequel. We, we should do an episode of the prequels. Let's talk about let's talk about the one really good Star Wars thing that's out there right now. Um, or do you not have time? I don't have time. Yeah. Um, I was just say Mandalorian's very good. The Mandalorian is great. Um, I've got Baby Yoda fever. I don't know about you. Uh, he's very cute. That Baby Yoda is taking the nation by storm. Yeah. Uh, uh, Babu Frick doesn't stand a chance. Like, no. Just ridiculous. (laughs) But I, but I, I I know I, I love it. I think it's great. I think, um, I think it's, it's. I mean, we've kind of already known uh, people who've been sort of watching, you know, uh, the Clone Wars and Rebels that Star Wars works really well on television. Mm -hmm. Uh, and and now that we have our first live action TV show, like it's just you know proven further. It 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 probably belongs on TV at this point. I mean, I still want to see Ryan Johnson's trilogy if it's still being made. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I would love to see them really go for it on TV, you know? And yep. I think they are. You know, they've got uh, The Mandalorian. Is, 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 the second season's already, like, on its way. Like, they've, they're, they started shooting it while it was still yeah, being released. Fall, fall 2020. Yeah. Uh, and the Obi-Wan series is going to come out, and that's going to be cool. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi is always something special. Yeah. And, you know, uh, big, quick, quick side note. Um, Hot Toys, you know, Sideshow Collectibles. Yeah. Uh, they released a an Obi-Wan uh, figure. That's it's cool. Like, I've seen it. The, you know what I'm talking about? The Obi-Wan that's, like, in between the prequels yeah. and the original trilogy. Yeah. Super cool. He's like carrying around his armor as like a backpack, and like he has like like desert wear stuff. And the new Clone Wars season's coming out. 
Um, and uh, I, I think the I think the Andor Cassian or Cassian Andor Cassian show, Andor the Cassian yeah, show Andor for show him coming out. Yeah, so like I think Star Wars. Which is speaker K two S O. That's cool. Yeah, I think Star Wars is going to find new life on TV, and I think it's yeah. going to be um, really interesting to see because you're going to see a lot of different people's takes on it. And um, I think they're gonna. I think that they're gonna do what they should have been doing all along, which is open up the galaxy. You know, just let's just go at every corner of it and see what we. Well, can and you know, I would love it if 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 they were to uh, you know sort of give someone like Dave Filoni, the, yeah. you know, some 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 uh, real some like a lot of oversight in Star Wars because he gets it. Totally. Or or like or like John Favreau, who's done some a really great job with Mandalorian, yeah. where he knows how to incorporate fan service that's not pandering. Right. Like even even like the, he did a whole episode on Tatooine, and it actually like even though it was like totally fan service, he had to wrench Tatooine in it. It was done in such a way that was like, it was cool. Like it said something, right? You know, the cantina is now populated by droids, and gives <laughs> yeah. you a sense of it gave you a sense of what the state of that planet is after the fall of the Empire. That's cool. And also, I want to I also want to point out, you know, Mandalorian takes place during the what's referred to as the New Republic era. Yeah, five years after the end of Return of Jedi. Yeah. Um, my favorite era always been my favorite era because it's really like it's it's just like a struggle for power on both sides kind of mm-hmm. and it's like i don't know i think it's just like a really cool frontier in the narrative that'd be really yeah. awesome to explore dirty stormtroopers yeah i think that's cool i love that idea mm-hmm. and like force users is kind of popping up somewhere like and like you know like baby yoda <laughs> but my uh, theory here i have two theories about baby yoda and we can end all right my first theory is that he's a clone of Yoda yeah. um, because uh, watching Clone Wars the other day, he, you know, Yoda goes to he goes to Kamino mm-hmm. to gather the Sith troops or the, I mean, sorry, the, the clone troops. Um, and they make a point of saying that they do artificial aging. Oh. Yeah, um, that's true. And so is it possible that they did clone Yoda? Um, and the reason I'm saying Camino is because the doctor who has the baby in, in, in the thing, he has a Camino symbol on his, the sleeve of his jacket. Oh, really? So he's probably a cloner. Uh, he's a cloner or has some kind of involvement with the cloners, um, working for, working for Darth Werner Herzog. Um, <laughs> should be a he's so great. He's so great. Um, though I, I, I'll, but, oh man, um, what's his name? He's playing get, um, um, Moff Gideon. That dude's cool too. Yeah. He played, um. I forgot his name, uh, but he played Gus on Breaking Bad, and he is terrific. The other, um, the other thing that, about yeah, Baby Yoda is, um, I think the brat is faking. He's not really like an infant. Oh yeah, maybe. Like how Yoda on Dagobah, you okay. know, comes across as like this idiot to try to just, you know, I, 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 I'm waiting for the reveal that he's actually been like coherent the whole time and has actually just been pretending to be a baby. It's Gilbert Gottfried. It's like... oh god, that'd be amazing. <laughs> Do you remember that time I killed the Mudhorn for you? You've never been very grateful for it. We're a clan. Do you remember when I forced forced choke Kara? (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's the Mandalorian is is wonderful, and uh, I'm looking forward to the second season. I might Uh, just rewatch it. I don't know. You should. Yeah. All right, man. All right. All right. So. Uh, we we've right. said all we can say uh, at, at this point. Maybe next week we'll talk about uh, we'll have Matt here. We can talk about the Mandalorian. Yeah, and uh, if we are here next week, I don't know. <laughs> I'm open to it. Cross your fingers, folks. I want to be back. 
yeah, we want to be back. We're, we're trying. We're trying. We're just adjusting to new schedules and stuff. Uh, don't worry. We haven't had like a breakup or anything. Um, not an or, or whatever. There's no Yoko factor. Um, right. And we're not, we're, and we're not really in the fact, we're not really at that state of like the white album. I mean, we kind of are where we're like recording episodes, but not all together. Yeah. yeah you know, exactly. a couple of us on one episode, a couple of others on another. But I guess we are kind of in a white album phase. Never mind. I take that back. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So uh, I want to thank you, Father Chuck, for, for, for all of your opinions and everything that you, you've provided for us today. You're welcome. And I want to thank you, uh, viewer and listener, for watching and listening. Be sure to like, subscribe, review, rate us. And uh, thank you for listening. And um, we'll see you again next time. Have a wonderful week. Good journey.